for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. You're with Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, it's Monday, the 8th of January, 2024. This is TNT, today's news talk. I am Rick Munn, and this is the Locked and Loaded show. So whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and of course, whatever you're doing, we hope it's nice. You're very welcome to accompany us here on the good ship TNT as we attempt to navigate the turbulent waters of life, at least for the next 55 minutes here on the show anyway with me at the helm. And of course, I'm going to be aided and abetted by the wonderful Gemma Cooper, who will be joining me in just a minute or so uh, for a news editorial. And not one, not two, but three guests for your listening and or viewing pleasure here this morning. I'm going to be joined by uh, David Thunder right off the bat. He is a political philosopher and writer. He's going to be uh, making a second appearance on Locked and Loaded uh, at around about 20 past the hour. Then Ash, a.k.a. Duddy Monkey, is going to be joining me also for a little roundup on what's been happening on the socials over the weekend and then finally i'm going to get an update from my old chum alex mitchell from glasgow who uh alex unfortunately was a scaffolder who lost a leg due to the astrazeneca injection and he also suffers from vit uh, which is a vaccine induced uh, thrombocytis condition that he's part of a group they're trying to sue astrazeneca at the minute for damages so he's going to give us an update on what's happening there as well so all that to come uh, in the next 50 Four minutes now as time is marching merrily on. Just to keep you aware also that you can download our app from the Google Play Store or the App Store if you search for it under TNT Radio. And of course, you can leave us a message on our live chat, which I am endeavoring to keep an eye on as the show goes on. You can log on to our website, tntradio.live, leave us a message in the live chat or communicate with us directly using the contact submission forms that are under each show, each uh, presenter or host has their own email address please feel free to leave me a message. An Englishman, if you're listening out there, by the way, you sent me uh, some nice emails through from time to time. I do pick them up. I'm not sure if I can reply back to the email address that you actually supplied to me, but either way, uh, your uh, emails are appreciated and I'm glad that you're still tuned in to Locked and Loaded uh, in the mornings here in the UK. So uh, plenty on the cards to talk about. Have a story here that'll actually bounce off Gemma before we get into the news editorial. So please don't go away. We'll be right back here on TNT, today's news talk. Talk that matters. For once, we just need to do what's best for this damn country and not what's best for the world. Today's news talk radio, TNT. Gemma, here's a, an interesting one that I saw here this morning. We're going to be talking about uh, health-related issues this morning as part of your uh, editorial, but also I saw this headline coming in from uh, Scotland here. Opposition parties have called for Scotland's health boards to be merged as winter puts the NHS under pressure. So the Scottish Labour Party have proposed reducing the number of boards from 14 down to just three to cut through bureaucracy, in their words. Uh, the Tories agreed that amalgamation could be discussed, but not of the expense of services in rural areas. It comes amid warnings of hospitals at capacity, staff shortages, etc., etc. Is this not just what happens every single year with the NHS? They're always short-staffed. There's always people off on the sick. 
There's always people getting sick with winter bugs and flus and things that are going around, doing the rounds, you know, falling over drunk on Black Eye Friday, coming up to office parties. Is it not just the same old, same old, but they have suggested a re reduction in bureaucracy. Surely that's a positive take from this one, is it not? Well, you know me, Rick, I always love to take the positive out of everything and see the positive out of everything. But I can't help but think that reorganisation and, uh, and, and a slimming down of trust will lead to a lot more bureaucracy, a lot of mm. redundancy payouts and a lot more wasted money as they kind of mm. try and move their way forward. What by is exactly what you are struck by. I mean, I've been in the media all my career and it, it, at least 10, at least 10 years ago to 15 years ago, every winter you could trot out the same headline and you just change the date. That was the press releases that would be coming through from your local department of health, you know, uh, record numbers of winter under pressure, you know, record numbers of hospital admissions until the point where you become desensitized to those headlines because yeah. they're just every year you just expect them. Now you have to ask, we talk about this a lot, is this you know, the dumbing down of the NHS to prepare us for privatisation here in the UK? Many, many people think yes. It could be indicative of the amount of people we now have on this island, which hasn't got the infrastructure to support that. And probably both those arguments are quite valid. And an NHS that is not fit for purpose because a lot of the money goes into chief executives' pockets and not into beds, staff and facilities on the, on the wards. So it's a complex issue, but one that is absolutely not gone away and will not go away now. I don't think we'll ever see an end to these headlines of like the, the NHS is, is under pressure every winter. Um, this is the NHS, obviously, the government was so desperate to protect four years ago. We'll give it some money then. <laughs> it's as simple as that, isn't it? It really is. Uh, this It's interesting too, Gemma, that they're talking about the reduction in the number of boards from 14 down to three. That's a huge uh, reduction. Or, of course, they're just simply taking a lot of smaller boards and make, making them into three large blobs. If that was the case too, I would imagine that if they are marching towards privatization, which let's face it, is what's on the cards, it's what's happening behind closed doors, despite what the government would say otherwise, it's certainly going to be a lot easier to manage three larger blobs than it is to manage 14 larger Scottish trusts, for example, when it comes to the Scottish NHS. So even though it looks like common sense might be starting to prevail here with bureaucracy, in the NHS, it's also uh, makes things an awful lot easier for them to fulfill their end game if they've got three boards to deal with, three large monstrosity boards to deal with rather than 14 isolated boards dotted across Scotland, or maybe I'm looking too much into that. Well, I mean, if the, if it's privatised, they won't have to look into it at all, will they? What it does mean that it looks ripe for a corporate takeover. So if you make, you know, three larger companies rather than 14 smaller companies and you open those out to, and you say, look, it's private tender now, then uh, you get the big, you know, pharmaceutical run uh, private healthcare companies sniffing around from the US saying, oh, we'll, we'll take over that one. We'll take over that one. Um, that what's, It more looks like it's preparing it for the corporate world, doesn't it? It does. It does. So uh, like everything else, you know, the passage of time marches on and we start to see uh, the predictions, whether or not they're coming true or not, you know, a year or two down the line. And I think we're inching ever closer to that privatization in NHS. Can you believe it when it actually, not if it happens, but when it actually happens, we'll be able to say, hey, it's finally happened. Now, this is the fallout as a result of it. But I don't think it'll be a particularly uh, beneficial move for people like you and I. However, uh, time will tell like everything else. Now, you have another health-related story uh, to talk about this morning, almost a U-turn, if you will. Uh, you mentioned earlier on at the start of uh, Open Line about four years, and I was thinking, what's you talking about four years for? But this is coming up to the fourth anniversary of the madness that was unleashed upon planet Earth uh, with the scandemic back in February, March of 2020. 
Can A, can you believe it's been four years now? And B, can you believe that we're still dealing with the fallout of some of these government policies four years later? Well, at four years, I mean, I, I, James Freeman on the Freeman Report last week, he said, no, 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 it's three. And I said, no, listen, 2020 into 2021, mm -hmm. 2021 into 22, mm -hmm. 2022 into 2023, we've seen 2023 now, 2023 into 2024, it's four years. Mm -hmm. Four right. years since the planetary insanity uh, landed on us. But this story this morning, uh, it's, it is a health story, you're quite right, in one respect. But it's also um, today launching in the UK as the government's biggest ever drive to tackle school absenteeism, which is at, it, it's, it's, it's never been like this, Rick, since schools were invented here in the UK, you know, since, since the kind of industrial revolution where we've got schooling to prepare people for the world of work. Uh, nearly a million pupils in the secondary school system every day in England alone, a million pupils are persistently absent. In some parts of the UK, in the northwest, for example, a borough, 41% of secondary school children at any one time are off. They're just not going to school. Now, both uh, political parties here in the UK today have, have joined forces on this one and said, right, we're going we're gonna to crack down on it. The education secretary is saying this is now her number one priority. Forget exam results. Forget the trans agenda, which is being pushed relentlessly. No, 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 none of that. It's, it's absenteeism. They're really worried about it. Um, and what they're saying is, and this is what makes a mockery of four years, you know, they're saying if your kid has got a runny nose or a cough or a cold, don't worry about it. Send them into school send them into school. Now, can you remember four years ago, you, your kid would go like this, mom, that was it. All yeah. guns blazing, tests shoved up the nose, poor little kid, hand sanitizer, mask, you know, bloody plastic bubbles, ventilator, you know, all of it, the madness of it all. Now it's a complete U-turn with head teachers are saying, um, one head teacher is quoted in this report saying, you know, people were told to stay off with sore throats. That's just completely unacceptable and should not be happening now. Hello, it should never have been happening in the first place. If you were a child and you had a sore throat, you were not going to die of anything deadly. We all know that. But the U-turn is quite spectacular and they're obviously deeply concerned and worried about the if you don't get kids going to school one you don't get them programmed to be good little taxpayers and free-range slaves on a tax farm i think that's the main concern here because if you're not paying your taxes you're not propping up the system uh two you've got people thinking for themselves Three, you've got a lot of homeschooling, which is parents and kids forming very strong bonds, which, as we know, uh, this kind of system doesn't want strong familial bonds. It does everything it can now to get children farmed out to childminders under the care of the state uh, as young as possible. We see babies going to childminders. That's what the state wants. The last uh, four years or the, the, the beginning of the four years, 2020, parents and kids started spending time together. They started enjoying it. They started realizing, I don't really want to go back to my old life. Interestingly as well, um, working from home is mentioned in this report today, uh, saying, you know, changes in behavior over the last four years that now the state is desperate to reverse. One is absenteeism and homeschooling, and the other is working from home, which many people do not want to relinquish. And both of those things are things that prop up the economy. If you work from home, you don't nip out for a sandwich in your lunch break. If you work from home, you don't go to the dry cleaners because you're not wearing as many clothes. You don't have to worry about that sort of thing. If you work from home, you don't need to fill the car up with petrol so much. All of these things are what keeps our economy going and keeps the corporations and the taxes flooding in. So there's been a sea change. And I'm quietly pleased. You know, I think, Rick, and I was going to ask you this question, this absenteeism thing, I, I think it's a battle the government can't win. I think they're onto a losing streak here. I wonder what your thoughts are. I don't think this million, these million kids are ever going to go back. No, it's it's the old saying, isn't it? When the genie's out of the bottle that you can't 
put it back in again if you've experienced uh you know liberation or you've experienced the fact that for example people work from home a lot of people did do it successfully they did realize hang on i'm more productive at home because i don't have to deal with office politics i'm not sitting in pointless meetings all day i'm not spending four hours a day commuting i'm not waking up extra early in the morning disgruntled and coming home at the end of the night absolutely shattered and my mindset's got better for some jobs but not all it's very very difficult to drag those people that have experienced a, a, a productive and stress-free way of working back into the office environment, for example, and the same holds true, I believe, about kids that were going to school. For years and years, uh, Gemma, it was banged on. Absenteeism is bad. If you miss a day at school, it's going to impact your academic performance. And then, of course, three, four years ago, sorry, four years ago now, coming up, they closed all the schools in Britain and Ireland down. They said, no, you have to go from home. You have to uh, learn virtually. And for a lot of kids, it caused no end of damage to their mental health, caused no end of damage to their academic performance. So it's very hard for these teachers and these educational boards to put that argument forward that if you don't attend school, it's going to affect your uh, academic performance when they can just turn around and say, well, you kept us from school for a year. In some cases in Northern Ireland, it was 18 months. Kids weren't allowed to go back to school, which caused on end of uh, no end of damages. And then, of course, can you remember what they did in Scotland? Uh, we were talking about uh, Scottish health boards there. I remember Nicola Sturgeon at one stage wanted to saw, you know, four inches off the bottom of every classroom door in Scotland to let air circulate and leave the windows wide open in Scottish classrooms while the kids sat and froze their asses off, just making school about the most unpleasant experience a child could ever hope to have. And now they're trying to say, no, this is where you need to be now. I think, like you said, Gemma, they're, they're fighting a losing battle on that one. They are, and they're throwing loads of money from today, from today at these new hubs. This is the other element mm -hmm. to it. They're saying if your child's sick, you know, if your child's got pneumonia, send them in, send them in. That's yeah. what they're saying, effectively, effectively. Um, and they're also launching these hubs. They're spending you know, thousands, millions of taxpayers' money on these new hubs, where um, schools that have relatively good attendance records will set up hubs to advise schools that have these dismal attendance records. I don't think they are dismal. I think it's a sign of peaceful people power, personally. Um, but that's what they're throwing money at. These, these brand spanking new school hubs to try and redress the problem. Uh, they're handing the problem over to schools to sort out. If you're a good school, please tell a bad school what to do, which means the government clearly don't know. Now, the shadow education secretary for Labour, she's due to make a big speech tomorrow, which is obviously going to form part of Labour's pre-election pledge about what they're going to do to tackle absenteeism in schools. But the point is that both political parties are uniting together to say we we have got to sort this out because they're looking down the, the long game with this and realising if society kind of going this way, we're going to have a, an entire generation of kind of feral young adults that basically stick two fingers up at authority and they're being encouraged to do that by their parents. Personally, I think this is a very good news story to kick yeah. off the week. Yeah, if you're out of school, do not go back. I personally wish I'd never gone at all and I'd been able to find my own way through life. But, you know, it's got me here to TNT, so I'm very grateful yeah. for that. We, you know, we have to take that positive from it too. And if there hadn't have been a COVID scandemic, I wouldn't have got to work from home for two years before I ended up quitting my job and coming here as well. So listen, every cloud, silver lining and all that business. So uh, thank you as always, Gemma, for your input this morning and your insights, especially into the, the workings of these uh, NHS trusts as well. That wasn't on the cards, but we covered it off anyway. So uh, hopefully get talking to you again tomorrow. Big thanks to Gemma Cooper. I'm going to be joined after this short break by none other than David Thunder. So please don't go away. Stay tuned for more here on TNT, today's news talk. TNT Radio 
Radio's Kate Shimarani. Don't stop taking prescription medication. Always go and see your indoctrinated GP, always. But with psychiatric drugs, you have to actually wean off them. They're very addictive and you have to wean off them. Now, I find all this really concerning. But what I cannot get my head around is the worst drug of all. They just let it on the market all the time. Sugar, 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 sugar. And then that's not even to bring in like MSG, monosodium glutamate. And and I, if, I, I can say, you know, you go into one of these garages and you see all the people going for food. There's nothing to eat in there. I very rarely can find anything to eat in any of these places. And if you go into the supermarket, there's only the first two aisles that have got real food. The rest, it, it's not food. And I see what people buy. I've covertly actually filmed people's trolleys, not them, don't get all excited, but I have filmed trolleys uh, to have a look what people are buying. And it's shocking because what you eat determines what your brain's going to be like and your teenager's brains do not stop developing till they're about 25 years of age. Kate Shimarani on TNT Radio. I'm Naheem Hines, professional football player and proud supporter of the Muscular Dystrophy Association. My mom was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when I was 14, and I watched her struggle. But MDA helped her get the best treatments and care, and they also help kids like my buddy Ethan. My name is Ethan, and I'm 12 years old. Thanks to the Muscular Dystrophy Association and people like you, I have more hope than ever before. From day one, they've treated me like family at my local care center. MDA is the only one that funds over 150 care centers across the U.S. to help provide state-of-the-art care for adults and kids like me. For over 70 years, MDA has been transforming the lives of people living with muscular dystrophy, ALS, and other related neuromuscular diseases. They fund the research for breakthrough treatments, care, and cures. And MDA provides support to thousands of families like mine and Ethan's in communities like yours. Thanks to MDA, kids and adults can live life to its fullest. Join us and learn more at mda.org today. Without CO2, the world stops breathing. CO2 sustains all life on Earth. Government, the WEF, and the elite believe humans are the carbon they really want to be rid of. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, we're coming at you live from our studio in uh, the Gold Coast in Australia. But of course, we are a global uh, entity and we are trying our level best to just try and shed a little bit of light on all the dark happenings that are happening right across the face of the planet, face of the globe, call it whatever you want. I'm joined again, uh, unlocked and loaded by David Thunder, David J. Thunder, if you want to be exactly precise, he's a political philosopher and also a writer. You can connect with him on Substack at davidthunder.substack.com and also follow him on the X platform at David J. Thunder. David, welcome back. And I'm hoping uh, 2024 is treating you even better than 2023 did. So far, so good. Thanks, Rick. Good to be here. Uh, not a problem. Listen, with a few things we want to try and squeeze in uh, to the time that we have here this morning, David. Uh, there's, I think there'll be a massive push this year. Uh, certainly everything's been building up to a push towards uh, European-wide digital identities, talking about uh, travel will become less easy unless you have a digital type identity. Obviously, they can't bring in CBDCs, central bank digital currencies, I believe, until everybody is on a digital identity platform. Could 2024 be the year, in your opinion, where they pull out all the stops and really blitz us with propaganda that we need this for ABCD to make our lives better for the common good? Or do you think it'll be more of a slow burn over the next few years? 
Well, I think that they will pull out the stops as far as propaganda goes. Um, they will start pushing it hard because they know that there will be quite a few citizens who will resist this initiative. So they need to reassure citizens that this is basically just for their own safety, the security of their data, that it's not subject to abuse. Um, but I think those assurances are false assurances uh, for the simple reason that a centralized digital identity system is always open to abuse because the people who program it can change the program um, so that uh, they can gain access and leverage the information that they have at their fingertips in a centralized uh, database. Um, so it's a very dangerous and worrying um, you know, development in Europe. And the European Parliament has already reached an agreement with the European Commission, um, at least you know, verbally, to pass uh, digital identity legislation. So it's, I think it's uh, very likely to, to go through and be passed. But the big question is, what will the uptake be among citizens? Because um, the best way to resist a digital ID system is simply to refuse to use it. And yeah, so I think yeah. that's the, what the tool that citizens have in their hands is to refuse to use the system. Uh, you, uh, three words have just wrote down while you were talking there, resist the initiative. So I also believe there'll be a big propaganda blitz for this into 2024. And as you've rightly pointed out, the best way to fight this, it's not you know burning buildings to the ground. We don't advocate violence. We advocate peaceful mass non-compliance. And if people simply refuse to uh, accept this digital ID, David, or use it when they're expected to or asked to use it, it just throws a huge spanner in the works. Could that also be, do you think, why there's such a push at the moment to try and get restrictions on, for example, uh, independent news outlets, people that aren't regulated by Ofcom, they have to dance to Ofcom's tune. They don't want people like you on social media platforms telling others that we need to resist the initiative. They don't want people like me bringing people like you onto a platform like today's news talk, where we have a big reach. We're hitting people all over the world. We're planting seeds of truth into people's heads that we want to grow up into resistance. That's maybe why there's a, a concurrent push to keep people like us quiet at a time like this when they're going to start a propaganda blitz for a digital ID. Yeah, I mean, I think that we've seen a kind of a tendency towards technocracy or expert rule um, that is top down and doesn't take into consideration uh, op citizens' opinions. That's already been a tendency now for many years in Europe. And uh, when you have a technocratic, what I call a technocratic mentality, which is kind of like I'm a puppeteer and I'm controlling society, then one of the really important aspects of control is information, the flow of information. If I can control the flow of information to citizens, then basically they're my slaves because um, information is power, basically, right? So if you don't know what's going on, you can't react. Um, and so the Digital Services Act is sort of like the other flank of this strategy because that's already been passed and that's going to give uh, the European Commission moderation power over uh, supervision, supervisory power over big tech's kind of moderation policies. Um, so that's another way in which they can control information and control the narrative also on this issue of digital identity. Uh, one, one thing as well, um, just uh, as, we, as we draw this one towards a close, I think there's a lot of fear among people that if somehow we're all 
off the internet or we're all disconnected from the internet or deplatformed from a digital platform, that somehow that's the end. That will be the end of any possible resistance to what's coming in if they're, they're trying to issue in some type of new world order. But I think it's worth reminding ourselves at this point in time, not just you and me, but I'm talking about ourselves in general. Listen, before the internet, there were revolutions. Before the internet, information spread. Before the internet, people did meet together in groups and got stuff done. So I I think there's also a fear being seated here that if, if for example, you get deplatformed from the internet, then that's you silenced. It's not. It just means that you'll be able to lift your voice in another place. Granted, it might be a little bit more laborious to do it, but I think we have to understand as well that it's not game over. If we get deplatformed from the internet, we can simply find another avenue or maybe uh, a louder voice on another on another type of platform in the real world, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, just look at the farmer protests going on in Germany mm -hmm. as we speak, yes. and the and the protest, the farming protest that went on in the citizen farmer movement in Netherlands. I mean, these were just people who just got the tractors and went out of the streets. I mean, yeah. sure, it was put, it was it was propagated through social media as well. Yes, but they didn't need the internet to 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 put that protest together. That you know that that was just groups of farmers who got together and citizens. So uh, we just have to be imaginative and creative, and we have to react when there is a difficulty and challenge. We have to just try to find a way around it. Um, and believe me, there are a lot of very strong-willed and determined people in the freedom movement. And I think mm -hmm. that these technocrats have underestimated um, the, the, the strength of willpower in the freedom movement. I agree with that 100%. I was speaking to a fellow Irishman this morning, uh, David Vance as well. We're talking about the immigration position here in Ireland. And of course, people are taking to the streets and protesting. Uh, sadly, a lot of... Uh, provision centers are now actually being burnt to the ground. Uh, again, we're not advocating, uh, you know, destruction of property vandalism, but it shows you the level of discontent that people are now feeling now that they're taking these matters into their own hands, if that's what's proven to be the case. But I think this year, certainly, I think we're being galvanized, uh, David, and I think it's it's bringing more people together, even like ourselves connecting here on TNT and connecting with various other people. I think uh, this year, will definitely be a make or break year for what the globalists have in plan. So uh, we're up to time in this one for now. Massive thanks to you again uh, for taking the time out of your day to join me here on uh, TNT on Locked and Loaded. That's uh, David Thunder. Follow him at David J Thunder on X or davidthunder.substack.com. Hopefully you and I again will talk again sooner rather than later. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this short break with Ash, a.k.a. Duddy Monkey. We're going to be talking about socials that have been happening over the weekend. So don't go away. Stay tuned here to TNT. Here we go. TNT Radio News. News. Matt here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. Iraq is doubling down on booting America out of the country following a series of deadly U.S. airstrikes. U.S. President Joe Biden has once again been mocked online, with the 81-year-old Commander-in-Chief now needing to be escorted off stage like a child. Doctors are sounding the alarm over a rise in cancer cases in young people, and Australia has outlawed the Nazi salute and the display of Nazi symbols across the country. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. 
Okay, uh, the pace does not let up here on open, uh, not open line or on open line either, but on locked and loaded, the locked and loaded show here on TNT Radio or today's news talk uh, TNT. I'm very happy to be joined now for the first time, certainly on this platform, by a chap who goes by the name of Ash, aka Duddy Monkey. Let me just describe uh, who he is. He's a, a regular guy, he says, who stood up during the COVID scandemic, one online and offline, and he's also a conscious realist. So very big welcome to the show to you today. How are you doing? Good. Thank you very much. Cheers for having me on. No, it's an absolute pleasure. And what we're actually going to talk about, uh, Natalie brought this up uh, during the first show that we did here this morning. Uh, a certain mm. chap, if people aren't aware of him by the name of uh, Joey Barton, who's an ex-British uh, footballer, uh, has been causing an absolute storm over the weekend. I think uh, he's been saying a lot of things that other people are either too afraid to say if they have a big platform or they're in uh, the, the media spotlight. People like you and I have been saying things like this for a long time. It's a little bit encouraging when Joey takes the gloves off effectively and launches himself headfirst into the ring and goes at it all guns blazing, don't you think? Absolutely. You can tell he's uh, he's not one of the ones who conform to the mainstream media narrative. Definitely not. Yeah. You know, and, he, and and that alone in itself just proves that there there clearly is some kind of uh, you know um, agenda going on within inside these these establishments. You know, you either you either toe the line, you know, or you're out on your on your ass. You know, just look at what mm -hmm. they did to Matt Letizia when he stood up and spoke out. You know, mm -hmm. they um they they really don't like the likes of Joey Barton. <laughs> No, they don't. And I'll tell you, this is the thing that I like about this guy is I'm not a big foodie fan and I'm not really familiar with him, but certainly what he's been saying, I think resonated with a lot of people over the weekend. I don't think he's putting it on. I think he's just reached mm. the end of his tether like many people. And he's, he's saying, sort it. I'm just going to say what it is and let the consequences come, whatever they may be. So for example, uh, there was a, a great video that was pushed posted up on uh, on on the X platform about an old World War II veteran who was giving mm. his opinion on what's happening in society today. So our Joey reposted this up. He said, I bet you this fella stormed the beaches at Normandy thinking about how he was going to help the woke people ruin the effing country. The people hate the country they live in. They want to tear it down. This is neo-Marxist BS. It has to stop. They hate themselves. They have no sense of self-worth. They have nihilistic mindsets. They don't want to have children. They have nothing to offer. And when it kicks off again, which it will inevitably do, who do you want alongside you? Some blurt with pronouns and a rain or some anti-white <laughs> race hustler, you reap what you sow. I don't know about you, mate, but that's about as blunt and direct and to the point and bang on point as you could possibly be. Absolutely, you know, and this is why a lot of people have an issue with him right now because what Barton is actually doing is he's poking a hole in, in the reality created by the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they want everyone to believe that, you know, life's fair and their life's great and truth of it is, is it isn't you know life's horrible at times you know but it's addressing these issues that gets us through it when we you know close our eyes and, and and cover our ears you know this is when we get into the problems that we have now you know um reality for a lot of people nowadays um is a scary place and i think this is why a lot of people just decide to to hide away from it you know and then as soon as you get someone like barton talking about it they they attack with everything they have because they just do not want to come into the real world you know, what he's saying isn't necessarily about women in football. 
it's about, like you're saying, you know, this woke PC ideology that is pushed onto us through things like sport, you know, something that we've all enjoyed for a long time. And there's lots of people out there nowadays that just do not want to listen to it. And unfortunately, it's pushed on us. Ash, the one thing that Barton is promoting is he's promoting merit, all right? He's saying that if you get mm. a job and any job at all, you should get the job because you're the best, best person for the job. Doesn't matter if you're yeah. a man or a woman. Doesn't matter if you're Absolutely. straight or gay. Doesn't matter if you're black and white. So, for example, I don't think Joey Barton would have a problem if every football commentator in the UK was a woman, as long as she was doing the job as well as any man could do, or vice versa. So, therefore, jobs should go to people based on their ability and merit, not based on diversity hires and token appointments to try and tick, you know, uh, you know, ESG ratings on uh, fund mm. management that are linked to certain mm. companies or whatnot. And I think even a lot of women came out over the weekend agreeing with Joey Barton. He had a huge amount of females coming in and said, you know what, you're right. What you're saying is actually right. We prefer that these diversity hires aren't just brought in to fill, you know, plug a gap or tick a box in the diversity sheet that some manager's been appointed for. They want to see mm. jobs going to people based on merit. And I'm the same. I have no problem if the world was run by women, if women run the world better than men or vice versa. I think jobs should go to people based on merit. And I think, do you not find that as per right now, I think people are so sick to the back teeth of what's been shoved down their throats over the last four years now, especially the last four years, they're coming to breaking points now and they're like, you know what, the heck with it. I don't care what you think of me. I'm going to speak my mind. I will not accept this. I will not have this thrust down my throat. I think it's going to be a big year this year, mate, 2024, for people saying enough is enough. Absolutely. You know, whatever job you do, you should have some kind of talent within it, at least an interest. You know, yeah. in the last like, yeah. you know, decade alone, we, we've seen more and more people just getting these positions purely based on the fact that they aren't what is usually the, the norm to it, you know, and it doesn't work. You've only got to look at, um, you know, some of the, the commentators on there and the quality of what they said. I believe that that Enia Luko the other day made a comment about um, a, a footballer who scored 19 goals in 40 appearances and summed it up to a goal a game. You know, if this, okay. if this is the quality of what we're, what we're doing and what we're listening yep. to, you can understand why people get young. You've also got to remember as well, you know, I'm, I'm 42 years old. When I was um, eight, nine, something like that, we had a girl in our football team in school. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's nothing new, you know, mm -hmm. but the problem is the, the football industry has been completely dominated by men for such a long time mm -hmm. that at this early stage now of introducing women into the men's sport, you're going to get a lot of backlash because it's predominantly a man's sport for a long time. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not against women being in, in the sport, but I do agree with, you know, you've got to have some kind of quality yeah. to then stand up against the people that have been doing it for a long time, you know, and the, and the, and and the public, the public, the public prove it because they don't want to hear it. I was going to say as well, I, sh I don't think you would disagree with me on this. There's a lot of terrible mm. meal male commentators out there, some of the uh, football <laughs> pundits are absolutely atrocious. So it's not just the case yeah. of it has to be a man doing the job. There's a lot of crap men doing the job as well. And again, one thing that Barton, to give him his credit, is pushing is meritocracy. In other words, Ash, mm. if you get a job as a football pundit, it has to be to be because number one, you're passionate about the game. Number two, you've yep. probably had some experience playing the game. And number three, yep. you're well versed on the history of the game. So you can add your flavor and color commentary.
country onto watching mm. a match, for example, not scratching your head or coming. You can't even do basic mental arithmetic, as you said. This woman <laughs> said, oh, he scored 19 goals in 40 games. That's almost one per game. I don't know what school that person went to, but you know that should have been an automatic dismissal right there, irrespective of male, female, skin color, or sexual orientation. You can't even do basic mental arithmetic. So uh, it, it's an interesting one, and I have no doubt, mate, uh, that Joey will be easy. I think he's getting a bit of momentum now, and I'm looking forward yeah. almost to some of the stuff that he starts to call out over the next few days and weeks and months. Uh, we've got the call time in this now. We've only so, got a short time to speak with you. But listen, thank you. huge thanks to you for coming on. You and I will stay in contact, and no doubt uh, we'll get talking again on here if you're up for it. So that's Ash, a.k.a. Duddy Monkey. Follow him on the X platform at Duddy, D-U-T-T-Y, Monkey, M-O-N-K-E-Y, underscore. Give him some support. Give him some love there. And a big thanks to you again, Ash, for taking the time out uh, to come on here. We've got to take a quick break right now. And when we come back, I'm going to be talking to Alex Mitchell. So please don't go away. Stay tuned for more here. Locked and loaded on TNT, today's News Talk. I was such a young age. Everything changed. My name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out, I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school. Hundreds of kids, and I was the only one with a dying dad. He was diagnosed in March, and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that they had other people like me. They understood what I was going through, and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a youth ambassador, so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my license, made a move across the country. Life now is just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer. On a virtual road, you can test the limits of your driving ability to see how fast you can go under the most extreme conditions, like when it's dark, when the weather's bad, or when the unexpected happens. The higher the speed, the harder the impact. But driving isn't a game or a race. When you're on the road, just 10 miles per hour over the limit can mean the difference between life and death. You're responsible for people's lives and your own. Slow down and save lives. Rick Mon is locked and loaded on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, we've still got uh, 18 minutes left of magic to deliver to you lovely people before the top of the hour. And I'm happy to be joined again by my old sparring partner from Glasgow, none other than Alex Mitchell. And if you don't know who Alex is, shame on you. He's been unlocked and loaded quite a few times now. And I'm going to get a little update from him about how he's going personally and also what's happening with the VIT and VIBS groups that he's part of and the ongoing battle that they have with AstraZeneca. Alex Happy New Year 2024. It's not too late to wish you a Happy New Year, is it? Happy New Year, right? Good to see you, my friend. And it's good to chat yeah. to you again. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. And for anybody that's not familiar uh, with you, Alex, just give a little blurb on your uh, ex profile, which, by the way, if you don't do this, you can already uh, follow Alex on uh, at AKE2306 on the X platform. It says on the 14th, or sorry, the 4th of April 2021, I collapsed at home 
14 days after my first AstraZeneca jab. I'm here when I shouldn't be. I lost my left leg from above the knee, have numerous other health issues going on, all from the vaccine. I was a fit and healthy person with no underlying health issues before this. And Alex, there's one thing I'll always try and do for as long as I'm part of TNT is to try and uh, make sure people aren't forgotten about or brushed under the carpet, which I think would be only the government would be only too happy to get a large brush and brush people like you under a very large rug. And hopefully you'll just be quiet and go away and just accept what has happened to you. But that's not the case, is it? You ain't going to be quiet and you're not going to accept it. No, uh, I've said it a few times. For me, they've done two things wrong here. Pissed off a Scotsman and pissed off a Scottish scaffolder. You've got no idea what you've unleashed. You try to take everything away from me, and then you now compound that by denying me, labelling me, abusing me, refusing to help me, refusing to acknowledge I exist, and you think I'm just going to sit and take that? No, no, not going to happen. This is not about me. This is about thousands of us. And, and the thing is, you know, it, you're not an isolated incident. Uh, obviously, I can't get in contact with everybody that's been injured, or maybe they just simply, some people don't want to talk about it. It's too painful to talk about it. But you're not one of those people, as you've rightly said, you're a very hacked off Scotsman and a very hacked off scaffolder to boot. And you have got together uh, with a group of people. Uh, I'm thinking about John, and I'm thinking about Claire Hibbs and the, the Vibs UK group. Uh, rather than being isolated and splintered you guys have actually came together you've spoken out in public about this you've lifted your voices on various podcasts and platforms about this and you're not prepared to lie down and take it you're going to fight this until the death until you get justice for people like yourself and other people that have been injured uh, trying to be a voice for the voiceless yeah and i think what what particularly and is very potent at the moment is obviously we see what's going on in the, the whole post office the horizon scandal this has been getting screened about for 15 years for some of these people, 20 years. How many scandals is out there? I know of many. And in the minute I mention some of them, I'm classed as a conspiracy theorist. But you're right. It's not just about the vaccine injured and the vaccine bereaved anymore. This is about so many more th wrongs mm -hmm. that every single thing that these governments do, let's not class it as one government because they're, they're all the same. All they're doing is wearing a different suit. And the scale you know. of things, the scale of things as well, Alex. Okay, so you mentioned the the post office scandal that's really coming to light now. There's been a TV series made about it now. Rishi Sunak saying, "I'm going to try and intervene and try and get justice on behalf of the people that were wronged uh, with uh, accountancy errors on uh, the accounting software for various sub postmaster posts in the post office." When you look at the scale of what happened there as well. Over 700 people, 700 people were wrongly convicted of fraud. And some people died as a result of stress. Some people committed suicide. Some people lost their houses. Some people's marriages suffered. Some people went to jail because of things that they didn't do. And you rightly pointed out there, this has taken 15 odd years for this to get the light. And they still haven't got any justice. Is this not give you, I wouldn't say give you uh, stress thinking about this in your respect, but you guys are almost starting this process now with the VIT group and with the VIBS group. You're like, we're a huge number of people that have been shafted by the government and then discarded by the government 
we want justice, but we don't want to wait 15 to 20 years before we get it because some people could be dead by that stage. Does it not aggravate you to see more and more of these scandals being uh, unraveled and reported on and you guys could be the next wave of this legacy scandals coming down the line? I don't know if aggravates the word I would use. Probably heartbroken. Mm. Um, and I'm trying not to get emotional when I think about the amount of people yeah. and myself that's out there mm. and have been dealt and treated like this. Yeah. And we're expected just to keep going and keep going. And that's hard. Mm. I don't get upset for myself. I can't save myself. Nothing can be done to save me. So this is not about me. This is about the thousands of other people that's out there in many forums, those that have been, whether it be vaccines or mesh or, or lockdowns or what doesn't matter anymore. It's time now for the people, of not just the UK, but the world to unite and sort this for, for once because this is not just in the UK anymore, right? We can see cyclic every single country. We've got people like me we're ordinary people mm. who should never be. I should never be on your show mm. or any other show for that matter. You know, don't get me wrong. I appreciate it. And you're right. Yeah. yeah. People like Claire, John, Ruth, all the Vib UK, UKCV family, we're coming together and we're coming together in many ways. But we've always been together. We've always been mm. injured people or bereaved people who have been left in a mess and no one's helping us. Do you know what? No one gets me really a struggle with. We've now got a government that says, yes, we've got people like me that exist, that acknowledges, yes, we're rare according to their figures. Depends on what your figures are, doesn't it? But it still doesn't take away from the crux of the matter. They've still not helped and supported one single one of us in one nearly three years, some of us. Some of us are three years, aren't you? So yeah, well, I can see you're coming up. You're, com you're coming up to your third anniversary. You know, it was uh, April uh, of 2021. So you're coming up to three years uh, this April, uh, uh, Alex, in particular. And you know, it wasn't just a case of I'm. I, I felt slightly under the weather. I had a little side effect. You lost a leg as a result of this, and you've been, you know, you've been knocked off your feet, you know, literally uh, as a result of what's happened uh, with the AstraZeneca. And you know, it it does. It's not an accountancy error that's been made. This is your actual body that suffered as a result of this. And this thing that I'm trying to. What I'm trying to say really is that the government stop at nothing uh, to cover up misdeeds that they have done, whether it be in your personal life, your financial life, your physical health, no matter what it is. And I think what you guys are doing, uh, it's encouraging and it's inspired a lot of people because it's brought you all together and it's galvanized you and it's made you more determined, if anything, to dig down and double down in your position and make sure that justice is served. And again, they want you quiet, but effectively it's causing you to raise your voices even louder. Yeah, if they'd have looked after us properly and given us the proper help and support, we wouldn't have much to say other than this is a horrific situation that's happened to us. Hmm. But that's not the case. They've denied us, they've refused to acknowledge us, they've fought us every way, they've kicked the can down the road, as they say, and they will continue to kick the can down the road because this one, and I hate to say it, is so much bigger than the post office scandal and many others. This is the biggest yeah. history. Honest, in my, my opinion, it's the biggest thing against humanity in history because it's not just in one country or localised, it's global. 
and yeah, we are. You know, we're getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the what's the outlook for you guys for this year now? Because I know uh, towards the tail end of uh, 2023, I was talking with yourself. In fact, the last time that I actually talked to you, you were uh, sitting in a car park uh, waiting to go into a hospital appointment to get a new prosthetic leg fitted. That's how close to the, you know, close to home where we're actually having the conversation. You were in a hospital car park. And I think it was due to speak with Claire Hibbs as well. Uh, and she had the... Uh, she had to be called away to a medical emergency. She had a consultancy appointment as a result of the injury that she served as well. 2023 uh, ended up with a, a, a push towards uh, taking action against AstraZeneca. Going into 2024, can you give us a little bit of an update on what you guys are up to in terms of pursuing AZ through the courts or what's the state of play there at the minute, Alex? The legal case is still ongoing um, and obviously there's not been any updates since prior to Christmas because we're just into the new year. Yeah. I'm thinking we should have some kind of news mid-February, March, if not earlier, of where we go next. Um, the Obviously, in the background, lots of us are doing enough a lot of groundwork, witness statements, collecting our stories for both the Scottish COVID inquiry and the UK COVID inquiry with Scottish VIG. Um, and UK and UKCV family. That obviously we're this process. There's a website. There's a help organisation that we're trying to set up. There's charities being looked at. There's lots of things going on in the background, and I don't claim any credit for any of those. That's other wonderful people that's putting in an awful lot of work. Um, I think it's terrible that we're at the situation where we're in the place we're in, and we're having to rely on ourselves to set up charities, help support groups to keep people going because when you're taking everything away from people, it's hard to keep them going. Yeah. But as horrible as the, the, the whole scandal that's coming out in the furore, and rightly so, people should go to prison, not not the people that, that get blamed for taking money that they didn't take, people that knew there was a problem and kicked it down the road. These people should go to prison for what they've done to these people. And that scandal has given us hope. Yeah. Uh, tell me this. Uh, you mentioned the Scottish COVID inquiry. There's various inquiries happening at the minute. Uh, people are being brought into the dock, asked to give statements about what's happening. But usually these are politicians or people like Matt Hancock or people like Chris Whitty. They're never going to incriminate themselves by saying we shafted people, we did what was wrong by people. What's happening with the Scottish COVID inquiry? And as somebody that's treated, if you want to call it treated, uh, by the Scottish NHS, uh, how have they, um, uh, yeah, not what I say, how have they accepted your injury, but uh, do they acknowledge what has happened to you or do they still try and gaslight you into thinking you're one in a million or you're, you know, you're, you're one of the very few people that this has happened to? What's the general interaction when you, when you do come into the contact with the Scottish NHS? From both of them has been pretty positive. I'm not. I can't say otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say the same for the press. That mm-hmm. is that is the reality. Um, the Scottish staff at the COVID inquiry have been nothing more than respectful and courteous to us. Mm-hmm. As have the UK inquiry. They knew they knew who we were, and they were very respectful to us. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate that. I can't say the same for the, the press, particularly the Scottish press. What they did to myself on a personal level, to my face. I really appreciate that. I can't say the same for the, the press, particularly the Scottish press. What they did to myself on a personal level, to my face, was disgusting. But that's another story. Um, these people 
are starting to be realised for what they are, charlatans. Mm-hmm. They call people like yourself charlatans for years, Rick. And all you've done is ever stand up, give people a voice, and t- speak your mind for telling your truth. Mm-hmm. Since when did with democracy go that bad? Mm-hmm. And when did and I get so is- offended with what you thought? The thing is, Alex, too, you know, I'm a big believer that, for example, if I think you're crazy, if I think you're completely unhinged, I won't have a problem bringing you on my show and letting you talk because effectively all I'll be doing is showing the world what a crazy and unhinged person you are and effectively allowing you to dig yourself into a hole. So what I don't understand with all of this is if you guys were genuinely crackpots or genuinely conspiracy theorists are out there, I would be bringing you onto big platforms to let you show yourself up or make yourself look like a fool. But of course, you're not going to do that because you're not a fool and you're not showing yourself up. You're telling the truth and you're raising your voice up and raising awareness against something that the mainstream media, for example, have been paid and paid well to try and bury people like you. And I think that's where the the problem is, Alex. They're, they're, They're led by money and they're led by profit, even at the expense of people's lives, the expense of people's mental health, their physical health, their financial well-being and the, you know their the, their bodies that all comes secondary to the uh, the payout that these people are getting and like Judas you know when he betrayed Christ for his pieces of silver it wasn't worth it at the end of the day you know he ended up in a bad way he ended up hanging himself and then he fell and burst in half uh, I think that's what's going to happen metaphorically to a lot of these Judases out there in the mainstream media mate they're taking their thirty pieces of silver today but boy there's a lot there's a there's a blood price to pay for that further on down the line. Yeah, you're right. Um, I, I was laughing because obviously, you know, people say I'm crazy. Yeah, I must be crazy. I've got to be to keep doing what I'm doing. Me too, me too. But you, these people made me crazy. Never forget that. You's made me do this. You'd have just looked after people that mean did the right thing. I'd have left you alone. Here's the problem. I have got the rest of my life and eternity to haunt you people for what you've done. And I'll do it. And I'll do it with a smile on my face. And if that makes me crazy... And I'm, I'm quite happy being that crazy. Um, I think that people like yourself have been wonderful for people like us because you have gave us a voice. Mm. And you've gave us not just that, you gave us a friendship. And we appreciate mm. that. Oh, it's my pleasure. And, you know, you left two things out in your description of yourself there that you said at the very start of the program. You forgot to mention that, number one, you were a Scotsman, and number two, you were a scaffolder. So you've got a pissed-off Scottish scaffolder haunting you for all eternity. And if that doesn't put the frighteners into people, Alex, I don't know what will. Here's hoping. Here's hoping that every waking moment is spent in some of the horrors that we're dealing with. Mm. Um, these mm. people couldn't cope with and, and I honestly believe that these people couldn't cope with half of what we've gone through and I hope well, they never do if they have to go through it well, let's hope and believe. Listen, uh, we're into a new year. We've only got about a minute left and then we're at the top of the hour. We're into a new year and let's hope uh, that you guys keep getting galvanized even further in 2024, that the pressure is put on, not just from the like of TNT, but other places also fall in the line and give you people a voice and don't let that voice be silenced and don't let uh, people that have been injured and shafted by the government be brushed under the carpet and let's hope for more rallies let's hope for more podcasts let's for hope for more articles that expose this 
into 2024. And above all else, uh, let's hope for a stop to these uh, injection campaigns that are causing people so much damage. And also, of course, that you guys get uh, properly recognized and adequately compensated for whatever's happened uh, within each of your lives. So uh, we can't go into any more detail than that because we're out of time, Alex. Just a little reminder for people where they can actually hook up with you. Uh, if you don't follow Alex already, please check out at AKE, AKE2306 on the X platform, or it's called the Twitter platform. That's Alex Mitchell, and he's part of the VIT group as well, which is the vaccine-induced thrombocytic thrombocytopenia group. Uh, I thank God he reduced it to VIT because that's quite a tongue twister there. Uh, you can also check those guys out as well. And of course, he's part of a, an extended family, uh, the VIT family and the VIBS Vaccine Injured and Bereaved uh, UK family that are fighting tirelessly to try and get justice for people that have been uh, damaged by these uh, injections. So big thanks to you, Alex, again, for coming on the show. It's always a blast talking to you. Big love to you and all the guys uh, that are part of your group. Uh, please stay tuned. There's more incoming here after the news with James Freeman. And I, of course, will be back again tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. UK time with Open Line with Natalie. And, of course, locked and loaded at 10 tomorrow on Tuesday, the 9th of January. But in the meantime, have a great day wherever you are and stay tuned to TNT Today's News Talk.